0: This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our Top Stories Ukraine's armed forces have advanced to within 50 kilometers of the border with Russia, according to General Valery Zaluzhny, their commander-in-chief. The country's troops have retaken more than 3,000 square kilometers of territory in 11 days, recapturing over 20 towns and villages on Sunday alone. Bodies of civilians that bore signs of torture were found in the northeastern region of Kharkiv, according to the Office of Ukraine's Prosecutor General. Russia launched dozens of attacks on the Kharkiv region on Monday, suggesting an intensification of its response. Russian forces also retaliated by attacking civilian infrastructure, including power stations and water facilities. Power and water in Kharkiv, Ukraine's second city, were cut off on Sunday before being restored and then hit again on Monday. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said that the attacks against utilities are meant quote, to deprive people of light and heat. President Joe Biden signed an executive order to supercharge America's biotechnology industry by growing the country's biomanufacturing capacity, expanding the market for biobased products, and boosting R&D. An administration official said that the package was motivated by similar investments in other countries, especially China. An empty capsule designed to carry tourists into space aboard the, quote, New Shepard rocket of Blue Origin, the aspiring rocket firm of Jeff Bezos, disconnected itself during launch and descended safely back to Earth using a parachute. The unplanned anomaly will be investigated by America's Federal Aviation Administration before flights are allowed to resume. Charles III delivered his first address to Britain's Parliament as king, promising to emulate his late mother's, quote, selfless duty. The coffin bearing Queen Elizabeth II was taken to Edinburgh. On Tuesday, it will be flown to London to lie in-state at Westminster Hall for four days. The funeral will take place on September 19th. Sweden's general election remained too close to call after nearly all voting stations reported their results. The far-right opposition bloc seemed to have won a narrow victory over the country's left-wing parties, but the balance could still swing back as some early votes, as well as those from abroad, are counted, with a final result not expected before Wednesday. Britain's economy grew more slowly than expected in July. GDP increased by 0.2% in July, less than the median forecast of 0.4%. Growth was stagnant over the three months to July compared to the previous three months. Consumer and business activity has been dampened by soaring inflation. And fact of the day, 108,000, the number of barrels of oil stolen each day by thieves in Nigeria. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. A SIGH OF RELIEF IN AMERICA The White House used to dread monthly inflation reports. Each was worse than the previous one. Each delivered a blow to President Joe Biden's popularity. But that has started to change. In July, consumer prices remained the same as in June, the first absence of month-on-month inflation since early 2020. Figures for August, released on Tuesday, are expected to maintain that cheerful streak. Receding inflation has boosted Mr. Biden's approval ratings ahead of November's midterm elections. Even Republicans are toning down their criticism of his record. But economists will be harsher. The main reason for America's subdued inflation is a steep fall in oil prices. Strip out volatile energy and food costs, and core inflation is expected to have risen by about 0.4 percent last month. That is not low enough to prove that inflation is fading. Analysts and investors think the Federal Reserve will stay hawkish for now. The mood in Moscow has shifted In recent days, Russian forces have suffered their most serious reverse in Ukraine since they gave up their quest for Kiev in March. Ukraine's liberation of at least 3,000 square kilometers has scuppered Russia's hopes of controlling the whole of Donbass, a contested region in the country's east as well as other parts of Ukraine. As Ukrainians and their allies rejoice, faces on Russian television are crestfallen. Generals and state media offer a euphemism that troops are, quote, regrouping. The foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, has spoken of negotiations, but Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, has been silent on the extraordinary developments. On Saturday, as his troops retreated in Ukraine, he was opening a Ferris wheel in a Moscow park. Mr. Putin is under pressure at home as well as on the battlefield. Pro-Russian military bloggers are livid. Nationalists are calling for strategic changes, including general conscription. But sending more reluctant, poorly trained soldiers to face powerful American weapons would hardly be popular. Meanwhile, despite the surprising resilience of the Russian economy, the West's sanctions are hurting the country's elite. Mr. Putin is far from losing the war, but his battles are becoming fiercer. SINGAPORE OPENS UP TO TRAVELERS During the pandemic, Singapore's national carrier, Singapore Airlines, was so short of business that it sold local dining spots on board a grounded double-decker A380 plane. Between 2019 and 2021, passenger numbers at Chang'e Airport, the main air hub, plunged by 96%. But since the government began loosening border restrictions late last year, tourists have started returning. This summer, traffic at Chang'e reached 50% of pre-pandemic levels. To handle the increased traffic, on Tuesday, the airport reopens Terminal 4, which closed in May 2020. Singapore's reopening contrasts with ongoing travel restrictions in its Asian city rival, Hong Kong, where passenger numbers stand at about 5% pre-pandemic levels. Hong Kong, a former business and travel hub, still obliges inbound travelers to quarantine in a hotel for three nights. But opposition to the restrictions is growing among Hong Kong's business community, and the authorities are starting to take note. Quarantine rules for local air crews were eased at the weekend. Kenya's Controversial New President William Ruto, who will be sworn in as Kenya's new president on Tuesday, has an alarming history. His political life began in the thuggish youth wing of the ruling party under Daniel Arapmoy, the late dictator. After a disputed election in 2007, the International Criminal Court accused Mr. Ruto of orchestrating ethnic violence. He denied wrongdoing and the case later collapsed. Corruption allegations, which Mr. Ruto insists are concocted, have dogged his career. Mr. Ruto campaigned for the presidency with a populist anti-establishment message, but he vows to rule democratically. Significantly, he has promised to bolster the independence of the criminal justice system from the government by granting Parliament the power to approve independent budgets for the judiciary and police. If Mr. Rudo delivers on this point, liberal critics may be assuaged, at least for a while. Yet tougher challenges lie ahead. Mr. Ruto won the election promising to champion the interests of the poor, but high inflation and Kenya's debt-distressed economy will not be easily tamed. A Uyghur voice from behind bars A nameless Uyghur man walks around Urumqi, the capital of Xinjiang, in search of a place to stay. At every turn, he is met with vitriol and condescension. The Backstreets, a Uyghur novel published in English on Tuesday, is a biting portrait of what it is like to become a second-class citizen in your own homeland. Its story reflects the life of the man who wrote it. Perat Tsun, a novelist and poet known for challenging Uyghur social norms, finished The Backstreets in 2006. His writing later earned him a 16-year prison sentence as he became one of the countless Uyghur intellectuals detained by the Chinese state. Darren Byler, an American anthropologist and one of the book's two translators, discovered the text on an internet forum. Working with a Uyghur man credited only as anonymous, Mr. Byler finished his translation in 2015. Since then, the anonymous translator has also been detained. The Backstreet has been critically acclaimed, but neither its author nor its Uyghur translator will hear that praise. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso@economist.com. at We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday Which rock duo originally released the single Seven Nation Army? Monday Which series of novels, written by Stephanie Meyer, focused on the tribulations of Bella Swan, a teenager who falls in love with a vampire? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Raul Dahl, who was born on this day in 1916. Having power is not nearly as important as what you choose to do with it. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio.